This is the Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman, and I am a certified plant-based nutritionist and personal trainer. The website is mainlyplants.com, mainly plants on social media. Uh, if you want to do some Amazon shopping, go to mainlyplants.com slash Amazon. It helps me out so I can continue to help you guys out and keep doing the podcast. If you haven't gone to iTunes and done a review and a rating yet, please go ahead and do that. And I think that's all the housekeeping that we have for this week. So without further ado, let's get into it. I wanted to discuss with you a little bit uh, first about high fructose corn syrup because that's something that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, And then I'm going to get into a little uh, Vinnie Tortorich and then of course your plant of the week. So high fructose corn syrup, what is it, right? It is, um, I'm, you might hear me say HFCS, just because it's easier than saying high fructose corn syrup, but uh, HFCS is a low calorie sweetener used in an obscene amount of food and drinks. So if you go to the grocery store and you pick up uh, a food or drink that's processed, meaning you know it doesn't come from the um, produce section, odds are, more often than not, you'll find either high fructose corn syrup or corn syrup as one of the ingredients. Now it came around in the early 1970s and it's preferred by manufacturers because it's just as sweet as ordinary, you know, white table sugar. However, it mixes better with food and drinks. It's got an extremely long shelf life. And most of all, what everybody cares about, it's cheaper than other sweeteners. And it's cheaper than other sweeteners because the U.S. government subsidizes the corn industry. And being that it's high fructose corn syrup, it's derived from corn, uh, it's much cheaper to produce than sugar or honey or agave or you know, maple syrup, whatever other sweetener you can think of, um, because the government's paying for you know, a chunk of it. I mean, you'll find it, you go, to the, go to your refrigerator and pantry and pick up something that's processed. Um, you'll find it in, I mean, almost all soda, except for, you know, sometimes they're doing that, uh, like pure cane sugar soda now, um, but you'll find it in soda, you'll find it in your salad dressings, ketchup, ice cream, it's even being put into bread. So whenever you go to the grocery store and you're buying something packaged, look at the ingredients and see if it has high fructose corn syrup. If it does, you might want to stay away from it. Why you ask? Well, Table sugar and high fructose corn syrup are both comprised of two types of sugar. And those types of sugar are fructose and glucose. However, in table sugar, the the fructose and glucose are bonded bonded chemically together, which means that your body, the human body, has to digest the sugar in order to break those compounds and have the sugars into our bloodstreams, right? They can't be introduced into our body without us digesting them. But in HFCS, the sugars are blended, not chemically bonded, meaning that it doesn't need to be digested prior to entering the bloodstream. Um, And you might be asking, you know, why is that important? What does it matter if it has to be digested or not? Um, It's thought that high fructose corn syrup can alter your blood sugar, your blood glucose levels, uh, with much more ease and much more slope than regular sugar because it's so easily introduced to your bloodstream. Um, you know, having high fructose corn syrup is more volatile to your body than having regular sugar. Okay. 
Now, high fructose corn syrup also contains a lot of contaminants, including mercury, that aren't regulated by the FDA because there's no process in place to regulate it. Um, if you are wondering why, go back and listen to the FDA episode that I had, but it all has to do with government, big business, um, you know, regulations. But let's think about high fructose corn syrup in more practical matters, right? Because what does it really mean to you? Now, because it's found in almost everything you can find at the grocery store, we, as Americans at least, are consuming more and more sugar in our daily intake. Now, if you think about it, you know, if you go to the grocery store and, you know, 50 years ago were to buy bread and, um, you know, chips and ketchup and what have you, most of that is not going to have the amount of sugar that it has in it today. In fact, some of the products wouldn't have any high fructose corn syrup in it. But you go to the grocery store today and you buy just things that you wouldn't even think about, right? Cereal, ketchup, salad dressing, bread. And now you have, now you have a lot more high fructose corn syrup, a lot more sugar being entered into your body in your daily intake of food. And since sugar is a carb, when it doesn't get burned off, it turns into fat, right? So let's think about this. We're eating a lot more sugar. People aren't exercising as much. People aren't as active as much. It's no wonder that there's an obesity, an obesity epidemic and a type 2 diabetes epidemic, right? So, you know, we really have to be conscious about what we're, about what we're eating because we're eating a lot more things that have a lot more sugar in it and we're not getting as much exercise. Now, you might think that you're eating healthy because you're having a salad, but what are the ingredients in the dressing that you're putting on top of it? Odds are, if it's not, you know, something from the super healthy section of Sprouts or Whole Foods and it's just something off the, off the shelf in, in Safeway or wherever you shop, odds are it's got high fructose corn syrup in it. And a, a decent amount too. You know, just a refresher, when you look at the ingredients list on your food, it's listed in the, uh, in the content, in order of content. So the first thing, there's the most of that first ingredient, right? So if high fructose corn syrup is, you know, the second, third, or fourth thing, uh, there's a shitload of sugar in it. But even if it's down the line a little bit and it's got high fructose corn syrup or corn syrup in it and it's like a salad dressing, you don't really need that in a salad dressing, right? So, um, you know, you, you might have just cooked the world's healthiest veggie burger, but what about the ketchup you put on top of it? Or what about the bun that the burger is sitting in between? Odds are, it's probably got high fructose corn syrup in it. And you might ask, well, why are they putting high fructose corn syrup in bread or in my salad dressing if it doesn't need to be in there, right? Well, it makes it taste better. But also, you have to remember um, that sugar has an addictive quality to it. People get hooked on sugar. That's why there are these people who, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are the same way, who you know, go on these sugar binges because it's got an, a, 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 same, a similar effect as cocaine. If you look at uh, the brain scan of somebody who is on cocaine and somebody who has just eaten a lot of sugar, um, areas of the brain light up the same and it's addicting. So if you really like this certain type of salad dressing or type of bread and it tastes really good to you, 
and it's got high fructose corn syrup in it, well, you're going to keep going back to it, probably because your body might be a little bit addicted to it, but also because it tastes awesome. Um, but you can retrain your brain to not have to eat that, to not even want that, to not like it, to find it too sweet. Um, yeah, there's ketchup in my fridge, but I never use it. I just have it there in case some, you know, somebody wants to grill out or something. Um, you know, it's, this stuff's okay. Again, stuff's okay to have here and there, rarely, right? But the vast majority of the time, and for all intents and purposes of what I'm talking about, you shouldn't be having it. It's not healthy for you. It's going to make you fat. It's going to lead you to have disease and disorder, namely type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance or you know, pre-diabetic or fatty liver disease, um, all things that come with having uh, or with be, being overweight and obese. But uh, you got to cut the shit out. So I hope, I hope, I hope that a lot of you are getting up and going to the refrigerator pantry right now and enlightening yourselves as to what items have high fructose corn syrup. Just keep in mind, right? Substitute high fructose corn syrup with sugar. Now, there's a reason they call it high fructose corn syrup instead of just sugar because most people know what sugar means. However, a lot of people don't know what high fructose corn syrup means. They think, oh, wait, it comes from corn? It's a vegetable? It can't be that bad for you, right? It is. It's terrible for you. Um, and again, there's a reason why there is this obesity and type 2 diabetes epidemic. It's because people are not looking about what they're eating uh, and they're not knowledgeable as to what these ingredients are. So I hope you've gotten a little more enlightened. Okay, so um, again, any questions, comments, concerns about uh, high fructose corn syrup, uh, please let me know or if I wasn't clear on something. Uh, shifting gears real quick, uh, I wanted to do a quick update with everybody's lovable personal trainer who doesn't know shit about nutrition, Vinny Tortorich. Mm. You can visit his website if you'd like. Uh, it's vinnytortorich.com. You can see how ridiculous uh, he is and and um, in his podcast also. His, he's just... It, 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 I'll let it speak for itself, but... He had an episode not too long ago called Vegan Doctors Are Wrong, okay? Um, and he goes and makes a couple claims. Uh, first claim, or one of the claims being that nutritional veganism is often not supported by science, meaning that what I personally uh, practice and preach is often not backed up by scientific fact. And he also says that a lot, of, a lot of vegan doctors are full of lies without real claims, right? So he's saying that nutritional veganism is just a bunch of hullabaloo. I don't know why I just used the word hullabaloo. What am I, 95 years old? Um, he's saying that, that, that a vegan diet uh, is not supported by fact in terms of being healthy for you, okay? Um, and then he goes on to explain that uh, vegan doctors are wrong because... They claim that eggs lead to diabetes. Well, let's take a look at that, okay? And this this will just be a, a little microcosm of the bullshit that he spews, um, and also touching to the fact that, or touching to his his statements that you know nutritional veganism is not supported by science. So let's take it let's take it to eggs, since he brought it up on the same episode. Um, he is claiming that eggs do not lead to diabetes, and He's saying that vegan doctors claim that eggs do lead to diabetes, which I agree with. 
uh, because there is science behind it. Uh, science, when there are studies done, uh, is irrefutable until there's another study done that disputes it. However, if there's not a study that's been done to refute it yet, or it, uh, it has been done and it can't refute it, then the science still sticks. You'll notice that Vinny does not have any science in his claims. Okay, So let's look at eggs as in relation to diabetes. Re researchers have found a stepwise increase in the risk that the more people, the more eggs that people ate, the more risk of diabetes they have. Okay, so eating just a single egg a week has appeared to increase the odds of diabetes by 76%. That's astounding. One a week. Two eggs a week appeared to double the odds. And just a single egg a day tripled the odds. Okay, so eggs are a high risk of diabetes. Okay, three times greater risk of type 2 diabetes, one of the leading causes of death and amputations, blindness and kidney failure. So it's, uh, this is science. Again, this is not just you know a hypothesis. In 2009, Harvard researchers found that a single egg a day or more was associated with an increased risk of type 2 diabetes in men and women. And that finding has since also been confirmed in other populations, not just America. Okay, so it's been confirmed in Asia back in 2011 and Europe in 2012. So these are not, um, not brand new claims. These are not brand new findings. These have been around for 7, 8, 9, 10 years. However, people like Vinny just simply tell you to blindly eat eggs, not give, any, give you any kind of scientific data on the harm they do to your body. And then when somebody comes out and says, hey, these harm your body, he says, uh, you're wrong. It's just, a, you're, you're lying. It's just, this, is, this isn't a real claim. It's not supported by science. However, these studies are supported by science. So again, I think my, my, uh, my, main, my main hope is for you to, again, do the research, dig a little bit. Don't just believe what one person tells you. You gotta believe what, uh, what the science says, okay? Let's move on to our plant of the week. Our plant of the week this week is a, an herb. Uh, it's basil. I love basil, some people don't, but uh, I can't get enough of it. So here's some reasons that basil's great for you, right? It contains disease-fighting antioxidants. Now, one of the key benefits of basil essential oil is the ability to help fight free radical damage while protecting DNA structures and cells. Basil contains two important water-soluble flavonoid antioxidants known as orientin, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the second one, but it starts with a V. Um, doesn't really matter what they're named. The, 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 uh, the fact is that they help protect white blood cells responsible for immune function as well as our cellular structures and basically our DNA. So the antioxidants found in basil keep chromosomes from being altered and resulting in cell mutations and cancerous cell growth. So they are cancer fighting, right? Now, oxidative stress occurs inside our bodies due to you know, the effects 
of toxins in our diet, um, where we live, you know, pollution or if we have some sort of radiation. Um, but antioxidants like the kind found in basil help fight, fight that kind of oxidation and slow the effects of aging, which is pretty cool. You know, especially for an herb. You know, you look at basil, you don't think of any of this kind of stuff. It also acts as an anti-inflammatory. Now, basil contains, again, super powerful essential oils, including eugenol, um, citronellanol, and linalool. I hope I pronounced that right. You know, side, side step real quick. Can we get somebody to go in and just, like, make these scientific names a little easier to pronounce? Does it, does it have to be, like, pig Latin? Can we just get normal words in here? Anyway, um, so those are enzyme-inhibiting enzyme oils that help lower inflammation, which, you know, body inflammation is the root of most diseases, especially things like heart disease and arthritis and uh, uh, inflammatory bowel disease. It also helps fight cancer, like I mentioned before. Uh, there was clinical studies published in um, Nutrition and Cancer, which is a publication, and it showed that basil contains phytochemicals which can help naturally prevent cancer, including chemical-induced skin, liver, oral, lung, and other types of cancers. Um, basil is able to increase antioxidant activity, positively alter gene expressions, induce cancerous cell apoptosis, which is the death of harmful cells, and stop cancerous tumors from spreading. Uh, there were some studies done using animals, and basil extract has shown to protect against cancer and mortality while um, selectively uh, protecting normal tissue and cells from negative effects of cancer treatments like chemotherapy and radiation, which are, you know, really break the body down. So, this means that using basil extract can be beneficial as, you know, uh, a supplement to cancer treatment, even when somebody's already undergoing traditional forms of treatments. So like I mentioned, somebody's going through radiation or chemotherapy, that's not selective. It just, it just you know, across the board damages the body because it's killing the cancer cells, but it's also killing the, the good cells. So, you know, basil essential oil will help protect those good cells. Basil also contains antibacterial properties. And again, it goes back to the oil, right? A lot of this stuff has to do with the oil in, in basil. So if you don't want to eat the actual basil leaf, you can get um, basil essential oil and add it to things. Um, but another one of the great benefits of it is, is it provides protection against harmful bacterial growth. Now, there were some studies done in which basil extract is even shown to help, uh, to be helpful in inhibiting resistant strains of bacteria <laughs> I can't speak today. Inhibiting resistant strains of bacteria that don't respond to antibiotic treatments. So there were some researchers uh, at the Medical Industry uh, University of Lodz in Poland that tested the antibacterial activity um, of basil against strains of E. coli and other powerful bacteria that were gathered from sick patients with infections. And the results showed that basil was effective in acting against the bacteria strains and inhibiting and uh, helping to inhibit their growth. I need some water. So a thing just as simple as basil oil helps protect the body against E. coli. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. Now that what that did is it led the researchers to continue the study on 
basil and other antibacterial oils that might help fight um, antibiotic resistant illnesses and infections. So basil is currently being tested on other antibiotic resistant illnesses and infections. I'm telling you, the power is in plants. We don't need all those, you know, chemical pills. Uh, if you think about it, everything's derived from nature, right? No matter how fucked out it gets, everything comes from nature. Yeah, it's, it's processed and it's altered and stuff, but instead of doing that, why don't we just go straight to nature for it? So, I mean, something to think about. Um, basil also contains antimicrobial properties that fight viruses and infections. I don't think that's, based on what I just said, I don't think that's anything um, that you shouldn't have seen coming, right? Uh, basil's been found to exhibit antimicrobial activity against a wide range of bacteria, yeasts, molds, and viruses, which means that you can add protection against things like the candida virus and other forms of skin infections and irritations to things that basil can actually help fight. And lastly, basil combats stress by acting what is called as what is called an adaptogen. Now, studies have shown that basil has strong potential to act as a natural adaptogen, which is an herbal medicine that helps the body adapt to stress and to normalize the harmful effects of stressors on different processes within the body. So, for example, uh, there were some researchers that studied the anti-stress effects of fresh basil leaves given to rabbits that were exposed to a high-stress environment and they found that a significant improvement in uh, they found that there was a significant improvement in oxidative stress levels following the basil use. After the rabbits received supplementation of two grams, which is not very much, but two grams of fresh basil leaves in 30 days, that's nothing, right? They experienced cardiovascular and respiratory protection in response to stressors. Um, there's also a significant decrease in blood sugar levels. Um, and uh, an increase in antioxidant activity. So, basil, who knew, right? Now, what I like to do is, again, you can buy uh, basil essential oil. It's kind of more of the straight dope if you don't want to use it that much. Uh, you can just add it to your salad dressing. You can add it to your pizza sauce, stuff like that. Um, but what I like to do is it's, you go to the grocery store. You can buy a fresh basil plant for like five bucks. Uh, and it lasts a, a while. You can keep it growing. <clears throat> you can keep it growing. But uh, I like to take like five or six leaves and chop them up and add them to my salad. Uh, because you get all these health benefits, but also it really makes the salad kind of pop with the flavor. When you get like a, a little piece of basil in your with your bite, it's, uh, it's nice. Um, but also obviously things like, you know, if you're going to make a, a, a vegan pizza or a casserole, or even stir fry, it's really good. And so, um, the more basil you can get in your body, the better, right? Who knew? Uh, any questions, comments, concerns? Ryan at mainlyplants.com is my email address. And until next week, go put some basil in your salad. <laughs>